26 and 27. When I was reading through this and kind of praying through the lesson, you know, all these kings kind of just seem like they're thrown in there for just this brief moment. And it's like, okay, Lord, what is in there that's uniting this together? You remember our verse that we talk about here every time we're going through Chronicles. Paul wrote to us in Corinthians telling us that these Old Testament people were giving us as, to us as examples. Examples of what to do and also what not to do. So what can we learn from these people as we go through that? That's what we're going to do here tonight is take these three different kings, Amaziah, Uzziah, and Jotham, and compare them and see what we can learn from them. But before we get into this, I think it's important to kind of remind us where we've been. Dustin, if you could put up that first slide of the different kings. Different kings. Just to remind you, you know this. Saul, David, Solomon, Rehoboam, Jeroboam. The kingdom split. Rehoboam became king over what's called the southern tribes, Benjamin and Judah. And Jeroboam became king over the northern tribes, Israel, as known as that. Okay, next one here, please, Dustin, real quick. Here's what we've talked about thus far in Chronicles. Saul, David, Solomon, we know those. Rehoboam, Abijah, and Asa. That's about 140 years right there. 140 years. And the next slide real quick. This is what we've done recently. Jehoshaphat, Jerom, Isaiah, Athelia. Athelia was a queen, remember that. She was the grandmother that killed all of her grandchildren. So she could rule and reign for about six years. Then we have uh, Joash, and we're gonna, tonight we're going to do Amaziah, Uzziah, and Jotham. That's about another 140 years from Jehoshaphat to Jotham. So if you're keeping track from Saul to where we are right now tonight, we end up in Jotham. We're pushing close to 300 years. And as we have a tendency as we go through this to not really put all that together. Time is really moving here. We're dealing with literally centuries of history for the nation of Israel. So from Saul to where we're at going to end tonight... We're about 300 years of history so far that we've covered in the book of 2 Chronicles. So, with that in mind, of what we've kind of been talking about here, let's jump in tonight and let's learn about these three kings, Amaziah, Uzziah, and Jotham. Now, i got a slide I want to put up real quick that shows some verses that describes them. One more slide here that Dustin's going to put up for you tonight. And each one of these verses are going to show what's going on. First one, Amaziah, 2 Chronicles 25.2. How does the Lord describe him? He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. Outward obedience, but he didn't have the heart. Okay? Uzziah, 2 Chronicles 26. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. So as long as he sought the Lord, as long as he did what he's supposed to be doing, guess what? It works. And our last king, Jotham. So Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord as God, 2 Chronicles 27. And Dustin can leave this up here for a while. This is what ties these kings in together tonight. The first king, he failed. And he failed the worst of all three. Why? Because he didn't have any heart with the Lord. It was all just outward obedience. It just looked good. Second king started out really good, really strong. If you've ever studied out the book of Isaiah, Uzziah, excuse me, Uzziah is mentioned in there a lot. He was a pretty good king. But the problem was he was only a good king when he sought the Lord. Our last king tonight, Jotham, was mighty because he was always before the Lord. Put that into perspective. If you're the first king and you just have outward obedience, you can fake it for a while, but eventually it's going to catch up to you. You can't fake it all the time. The second one, yeah, as long as we're doing what's right spiritually, God will take care of us. But when we get our eyes off the Lord, we start going down a path that we shouldn't go. And the last king... He was mighty. Why? Because he prepared his ways before the Lord. These three kings show us the different levels of a walk with the Lord. 
First one is pretty fake. The second one is, I guess, lukewarm at best. And the third one is what we want to be. So how can we learn from these three guys tonight and learn from their kingdoms and their reigns? So first king, second Chronicles 25, Amaziah. What do we know about Amaziah? Verse 1, Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehadan of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with the loyal heart. And that's what we talked about. He has a lot of good things he did, but his heart was never on the Lord. Remember when we went through Matthew 5, 6, and 7? It was all about the heart. Jesus said, I don't want your outward obedience. I want your heart. Jesus said, I don't want your outward righteousness. I want your heart. He said, I don't want your outward good deeds. I want your heart. He used the example of fasting and giving and praying. He goes, if you're just doing that on the outward obedience just to look good, that will never be right. He goes, I want your heart. Now, I told you to go to Isaiah 29 real quick. Most of the time, I don't have you go for just one verse, but this verse is good. Isaiah 29, please. Isaiah 29, verse 13. Therefore, the Lord said, Isaiah 29, verse 13, Inasmuch as these people draw near me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. That verse is so powerful. Inasmuch as these people draw near me with their mouths, they're saying the right things. Honor me with their lips. If you would just talk to them, they sound on fire. They sound like they love the Lord. They sound like everything's right. But have removed their hearts far from me. That's Amaziah. Did what was right on the outside, but his heart wasn't there. What are we talking about? We're talking about a real relationship with the Lord. We live in a society, we live in communities that the vast majority of people will claim to be Christians. But where's the heart? That's not a judgmental thing. That's just an honest question. Where's the heart? Because that's what we want. Jesus wants the heart. So what he does... He does good. If you remember correctly from last week when Richard taught in chapter 24, verse 3, Now it happened as soon as the kingdom was established for him that he executed his servants who had murdered his father, the king, like we talked about last week. But look at verse 4. However, he did not execute their children, but did as it is written in the law in the book of Moses, where the Lord commanded, saying, The fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall the children be put to death for their fathers, but a person shall die for his own sin. Now, why do I bring that up? Because he sounds good. This is a good king, right? He's doing what is right. He's following the rules. He's following the law. What else did he do? Verse 5, you can see him. He organized this. But this is where it gets a little interesting. So he organized this army. Verse 6, though, he also hired 100,000 mighty men of valor from Israel for 100 talents of silver. So he got his army around from Judah, the southern kingdom, but he needed more men. So he got some mercenaries, if you will, from Israel, and he paid them. Look at verse 7. But a man of God came to him, saying, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel, not with any of the children of Ephraim. The reason Israel is called Ephraim, Ephraim was the largest tribe in the northern kingdom. So that's kind of why the southern kingdom is also called Judah sometimes, because that was the most powerful tribe. Ephraim was the largest tribe in the north, so sometimes Israel is called Ephraim. But if you go, be gone. Be strong in battle. Even so, God shall make you fall before the enemy, for God has power to help and to overthrow. So this unnamed man of God, and just a quick little side note, I love it when the men of God are just unnamed. Because it just doesn't matter. This man was doing his job. He was representing the Lord. He shows up to Amaziah, and he says, don't hire out an army. Trust the Lord. So what does he do? 
Verse 9, then Amaziah said to the man of God, What shall I do about the hundred talents which I have given to the troops of Israel? And the man of God answered, The Lord is able to give you much more than this. I love that. What about the money I spent on them? I'm not going to be able to get the money back. What's the answer to that in verse 9? The Lord is able to give you much more than this. Here, real quick point, guys. It's never about the money. Don't ever let it become about the money. It's never about the money. The God you serve owns the cattle on a thousand hills, according to the book of Psalms. And he not only owns the cattle, he owns the hills that the cattle's on. He has everything. So often we make it about the money. And one of the things I always tell my boys growing up is it's never about money, guys. Never make it about money. Now be wise in your money. Make sure you're putting the Lord first in your money and you're first in your giving. I mean, those are biblical concepts. But always trust that the Lord will lead, guide, and provide. He will. And what Amaziah is doing here is basically saying, I just spent all this money on this army, and this man of God is saying, no, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. Years ago, and the details don't matter, I received a phone call from a young Christian. This was probably about 15 years ago. Got saved, was really on fire in the Lord, and just was really moving forward in his walk with Christ. What had happened, though, is over the years, he collected a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff that a believer probably shouldn't have in their possession. So he called me up, and he said, what do you think I should do with all this stuff? He spent a lot of money on this stuff. He goes, I got a friend that I could sell it to. And I could make a lot of money selling it to him. I said, okay. So let's talk this through for a second. I heard a great teaching one time, and I've used this point literally for decades is this idea of I can give you verses that tell you to do it and I can give you verses that tell you not to do it. So let's just seek the Lord together and see what the Lord is saying in this unique situation. So he said what he wanted to do was sell all this stuff and use that money now and for the kingdom of God. I think that's a good heart. I appreciate that. God honors that. Okay, but when you give this stuff to this friend, what's he going to use this stuff for? Well, he's probably going to use it for the same stuff you're using it for, which was not good and that's why you're getting rid of it. So he sat there saying, do I sell the stuff and get the money to give it to the Lord? Or do I just get rid of the stuff? And he made a comment. He goes, James, there's a lot of money in that stuff. And there was. But isn't it nice to know, verse 9, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. Just be obedient. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And don't worry about the money. Put him first in your giving. Put him first in your life. Make sure you focus on needs and not wants. Let the Lord be the God of your finances. And just realize the Lord is able to give you much more than this. So what does he do? Verse 10, Amaziah discharged the troops that had come to him from Ephraim to go back home. Now, the problem is they were so angry about this. uh, The rest of the chapter here, they kind of tear the, the road up on the way home and destroy a bunch of stuff. But the point is, if we would stop right here, if we would stop right here, this guy's doing good. He's doing right. He he could have taken out everybody for killing his father. He didn't. He only took out the guilty parties. He could have ignored this command from the prophet of God. He listened to correction. That is maturity right there. Well, this is where it starts going downhill, though, verse 14. Now, it was so after Amaziah came from the slaughter of the Edomites that he brought the gods of the people of Seir, set them up to be his gods, and bowed down before them and burned incense to them. Now, right here is a turning point. 
A man of God that is mature and wise in the Lord will listen to rebuke and correction. Remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago. There's a biblical term that the New King James Version uses called a scoffer. A scoffer does not listen to rebuke. A scoffer does not listen to correction. A scoffer does not listen to wisdom. They think they got it all figured out. So far with Amaziah, he's listened to some correction. What's he going to do here? Verse 15. Therefore the anger of the Lord is aroused against Amaziah, and he sent him a prophet who said to him, Why have you sought the gods of the people which could not rescue their own people from your hand? Seriously, verse 15, is that just not a great verse? Amaziah, you're going to start worshiping the God of the people you just defeated. He's not, their God was not even strong enough to defeat you. And now you're going to take that false God and make that your own God? Isaiah makes a point like this too. He says in the book of Isaiah, he goes, you go out, you cut down a tree. And that same tree you cut up to use as fire to cook your food. But then you also take a part of that tree and you make an idol out of it. And you set it on your door. And Isaiah is saying it's the same piece of wood. How come some of it is good enough to be your God, but the other enough stuff is just used for cooking? It makes no logical sense. Now, we don't deal with this today, right? But we deal with other stuff that does not make any sense. I, I've used this verse so much lately, just as the dog returns to the vomit. Why do we jump back into things that are not edifying or spiritually encouraging, whatever? It makes no sense. So why would he take this God that he just defeated and make it his own God? Now, a mature man would listen to rebuke, correction, respond. Amaziah, verse 16. So it was as he talked with him that the king said to him, Have we made you the king's counselor? Cease. Why should you be killed? And the prophet ceased and said, I know that God has determined to destroy you because you have done this and have not heeded my advice. That's the scoffer. Would not listen to rebuke. Would not listen to correction. Does not want to listen to any godly wisdom. They just want to do what they want to do. Amaziah now takes a total turn. Just like we talked about at the beginning, his heart wasn't with the Lord. He did not have a loyal heart. He looked good on the outside, but eventually couldn't keep up with it. What does he want to do now in verse 17? He wants to pick a fight. So what happens now, verse 17, Now Amaziah, king of Judah, asked advice and sent to Joash, the son of Jehazah, the son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, Come, let us face one another in battle. He just defeated the Edomites. He's feeling pretty powerful now. Verse 18, Joash, king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, The thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, Give your daughter to my son as a wife. And a wild beast that was in Lebanon passed by and trampled the thistle. If you're not following that, Israel is saying, We're the tree, you're the thistle. Who are you to tell us anything? Verse 19, Indeed, you say that you have defeated the Edomites, and your heart is lifted up to boast. Stay at home now. Why should you meddle with trouble that you should fall, you and Judah, with you? Verse 19 paraphrases, go home, boy. Just go home. You don't want to pick this fight. Now, real quick, look at verse 19. Why should you meddle with trouble? That's a pretty good verse right there. Most of the time when I get in spiritual trouble, it's why? Because I'm playing with fire and I eventually get burned. There's just a real truth to that. Amaziah, go home. Verse 20, but Amaziah would not heed, for it came from God that he might give them into the hand of their enemies because they sought the gods of Edom. So Joash king of Israel went out. He and Amaziah king of Judah faced one another at Beth Shemah, which belongs to Judah. And Judah was defeated by Israel, and every man fled to his tent. 
Verse 23, Then Joash king of Israel captured Amaziah king of Judah, the son of Joash, the son of Jehoshaphat, Beth Shemash. And he brought him to Jerusalem, broke down the wall of Jerusalem from the gate of Ephraim to the corner gate, 400 cubits, about 600 feet of wall. And he took all the gold and silver and all the articles that were found in the house of God with Obadah, Edom, the treasures of the king's house and hostages, and returned to Samaria. A real quick point here. Looking at Amaziah, when you reject the wisdom of God, your defenses in your life will be destroyed and you'll be robbed of your riches. That's what this is trying to say. Now, when I say robbed of your riches, I don't mean your material possessions. God doesn't care about that. Robbed of your riches of what you deem valuable, what you deem important to you. God will say, if that thing is so important to you that you're elevating that above me, let's just remove that from you. I think I've shared this story with you before. My wife has put all the electronics of the living room, the TV, the game systems, the DVD player, everything, on one switch. One switch turns it all on. One switch can turn it all off. So what happens is this. If the boys are playing a game and they're in front of the TV, they start getting whiny, they start getting fussy, and they start fighting each other instead of focusing on the game. Usually they get a verbal warning. If they don't listen, it's really easy. You walk over and what do you do? You just flip the switch and everything just goes dead. And usually at that point, you hear something to the point of, Dad, we didn't get a chance to save it. Well, you should have quit whining before I got over there and flipped the switch. Because if that game, this is what I say all the time, if that game is such a big deal, it's going to make you fight and argue, then the best thing to do is to remove that. So therefore, it's not an issue. So Amaziah, if your defenses, if you think you're so strong and so wealthy and so powerful, hey, guess what we're going to do? The king of Israel is going to come capture you. And guess what he's going to do in verse 23? He's going to take you on a little tour of your own town. And as he's taking you on a tour of your own town, he's going to knock down 600 feet of your wall, which is kind of a big deal. Then he's going to rob you of everything just to remind you, listen, listen. Amaziah starts out good, but he did not have a heart loyal to the Lord. And so therefore he rejected advice. He rejected counsel. He rejected the plan of God. And you can see what happens to him. Uh, Verse 27, after that time that Amaziah turned away from following the Lord, they made conspiracy against him in Jerusalem. He fled to Lachish, but they sent after him to Lachish and killed him there. Then they brought him on horses and buried him with his fathers in the city of Judah. His pride led to his downfall. Did not have a loyal heart. Did not have a complete heart to the Lord. That's our first one tonight. So, no complete loyal heart. Next one, Uzziah, starts out good. But you can see, does not prosper because he does not continue following the Lord. Any quick questions, comments about Amaziah before we move on? Ryan. I think it's uh, really strange and telling that he hired 100,000 men out of Israel. Agree, but disagree. If you would jump back to when it first happened, Jeroboam and Rehoboam, the kingdom split. It would have been unheard of for Israel and Judah to team up together. But you've got to remember, back when we were studying Jehoshaphat and some of those other kings, Ahab's line of Israel had married into Judah. So there had been at least two or three kings where there's been this cross teaming up. So, And you've got to remember, we're dealing with 300 years of history. So you're right. The first 150 years never would have happened. This last 150 years, it was a little bit more understandable of how they could team up. But you could still see the Lord used it as an issue there. Anybody else got anything here before we go on? Okay, so Amaziah did not have a heart loyal to the Lord, outward obedience only. Let's talk about Uzziah. So let's find out a little bit about Uzziah. 
Verse 1, now all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. Now remember, Uzziah is mentioned a lot in the book of Isaiah. So now we're starting to see a contemporary of the book of Isaiah. And Uzziah was loved. He was loved by the people of Judah. Uh, verse 3, Uzziah was 16 years old and became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. 52 years, that's a pretty long reign. Verse 4, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. So he did what was right. He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. That's that key verse right there. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. That truth is still here. If you keep your eyes on the Lord, things will go well. Now, what's your definition of the word prosper? We talk about this a lot. In all things, God works for the good. Well, what's your definition of the word good? God has his own definition of good. You have your own definition of good. What's your definition of the word prosper? John the Baptist had the most prosperous ministry of any human that ever lived. And it resulted with his head being cut off. Now, that may not look very prosperous to you. But according to God, it was extremely prosperous. We can go through some of these Old Testament uh, prophets. Jeremiah. Jeremiah had a very prosperous ministry. But when he studied out the book of Jeremiah, there's not one convert to what he said. But he was prosperous because he was obedient what the Lord called him to do. Don't ever base being prosperous on dollar signs or numbers or something like that. That is ridiculous. That's the society we live in. Obviously, you're a good church if a bunch of people come. That's not true. You're a good church if you're promoting Jesus Christ and taking people deeper in their walks with Jesus. That's all that matters. Being a witness for him. So, God made him prosper when Uzziah kept his eyes on him. What did he do that was good? What did he do better than Amaziah? Verse 6, he went out and made war against the Philistines. He's fighting the right enemy. He's not fighting Israel. He's fighting the Philistines. And he broke down the wall of Gath and the wall of Jophna and the wall of Ashdod. And he built cities around Ashdod and among the Philistines. Instead of his walls getting knocked down, he's knocking down the walls of the enemy. Do you see the difference here between Amaziah and him? This is almost compare and contrast. He's fighting the right enemy. He's knocking down walls instead of his walls getting knocked down. Verse 7, God helped him against the Philistines, against the Arabians who lived in Gerbial, and against the Minuits. So verse 7, he's getting help from the Lord. He's not doing what Amaziah did and going out on his own. He did what was right. And guess what? Verse 8, he's blessed. He gets tributes. His fame spreads. So what does he do in verses 9 on? He builds towers. He builds up defenses. He prepares an army. Verse 14, Uzziah prepared for them, for the entire army, shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, and slings to cast stones. And he made devices in Jerusalem, invented by skillful men, to be on the towers of the corners, to shoot arrows and large stones. So his fame spread far and wide, for he marvelously helped till he became strong. Now, once again, if we could stop right there. He kept his eyes on the Lord. He prospered. He was tearing down walls instead of having his walls torn down. He's letting the Lord help him instead of going out on his own. He's being blessed. He's taking out the right enemies. He's doing what is right. Verse 16. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord as God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Success led to what? Pride. Pride will kill. It would just kill. If you look through the Bible, God will work with almost anybody. He'll work with murderers. He'll work with liars. He'll work with thieves. He'll work with adulterers. He'll work with people that have little faith. He'll work with almost anybody. The only people that he won't work with is what? Pride. 
He will not work with pride. Isaiah 14, that's how Satan fell, was pride. If there's a pride in your heart, God says, I'm not going to share the glory with you. I'm not. Uzziah was blessed, was doing right. He kept his eyes on the Lord, just like that verse says. God made him prosper. But as soon as he got prideful, that's when things started to fall apart. Reminds me a little bit of Saul. Saul started out good, if you remember correctly. Saul got prideful. Verse 17. So Zariah the priest went in after him, and with him were 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men. They're going right up against the king. I mean, can you imagine you're the priest, you're following your rules, and all of a sudden you see the king show up, and this king is popular. Remember, we've talked about this before. This king was popular, this king was mighty, this king was strong, this king was beloved. So he goes to the temple and he decides, hey, I'm going to offer up my own incense. Okay, that's only the job of the priest. You can't do that. So they see the king walking in. What does they do? They chase after him, verse 18. They withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense. Now, I don't want to read into the scriptures. I don't know for sure, and I can't say for sure. But I just look at verse 18. It's not for you, Uzziah. Note they did not call him king. They're talking to him as a person now. Listen, I don't care that you're the king. You can't do this, man. This is not good. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your title is in life. I don't care what's going on. But right here, right now, you're not in obedience to the Lord, and this needs to stop. It's not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense, get out of the sanctuary, for you a trespass. You shall have no honor from the Lord God. Now, once again, don't read ahead, and I know you already are. A mature man of God listens to rebuke, listens to correction, listens to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and responds. The scoffer does not. Amaziah was a scoffer. Uzziah, how is he going to respond? Well, verse 19, then Uzziah became furious. Do you know anybody like that? You correct them and they just get angry. This is an ongoing theme with these kings and chronicles, isn't it? Somebody godly comes up to them, corrects them, and their response is always anger. They throw them in prison like Asa did. Amaziah gets angry. Here Uzziah gets angry. What do you do with an individual like that, that when they are approached and corrected, the only thing they do is respond in the flesh? You may not like my answer. That's between them and the Lord. They're not going to listen to godly wisdom and rebuke from a person. You just have to pray that the Holy Spirit speaks to their heart. That's why they're called a scoffer, according to Proverbs. They won't listen to it. So Uzziah becomes furious. He had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord beside the incense altar. Now, if you haven't been with us on Sunday mornings, we've been talking a lot about leprosy because Jesus is healing lepers left and right. Leprosy was the disease of all diseases in the Old Testament. It was awful. As soon as you had leprosy, you were put outside the camp. You could have no contact with anybody. You had to yell, unclean, unclean, if anybody came near you. If they were downwind of you, they were not allowed to be within 150 feet of you. You couldn't be near your wife, your kids, your husband, nothing. You were just an outcast of society. And according to the Old Testament, there was not a cure for leprosy. So that way when Jesus came in the New Testament and started healing people of leprosy, that's why it was such an amazing miracle. So this guy getting leprosy, this is like a walking dead death sentence. He's dead. I mean, he's alive, but he's dead. Verse 20. Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and there on his forehead he was leprous. So they thrust him out of the place, and did he also hurry to get out because the Lord had struck him. King Uzziah was a leper until the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper. He was cut off from the house of the Lord. Then Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah, from first to last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, wrote. 
So Uzziah rested with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field of burial, which belonged to the kings, for they said, He is a leper. Then Jotham, his son, reigned in his place. Amaziah, outward obedience, does not have a loyal heart. It catches up to him. Uzziah, as long as he keeps his eyes on the Lord, he does right. You can learn a lot from these guys. God wants the heart. He doesn't want the outward obedience. He wants your heart. He wants you to keep your eyes on him at all times. Now we're going to finish up with Jotham here. But before we get to Jotham, any quick questions, comments here about uh, Uzziah before we move on? Oh, you know, it sure sounds like he had it for a while. When you read there in verse uh, 21, is it? 21, he was a leper until the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper. And, and you know, and that's a very good point, and I appreciate you sharing that. There could have been years like that. Here's the thing. Leprosy is a picture of sin. It is, it's uncontrollable, and you can't fix it on your own. That's why you need Jesus Christ. That's why when the lepers are touched by Jesus, they're healed. It's an amazing picture of salvation. But this is what sin does to you in verse 21. It just isolates you. I mean, you lose joy. Have you ever run into somebody who knows what they're supposed to be doing spiritually? And they're not. They're the most miserable person in the world. They're isolated, they have no joy, they have no nothing, and, and because that sin is just controlling them. Look at that phrase in verse 21, as the New King James says, He was cut off from the house of the Lord. Man, that's what sin does to you. It just destroys you. Anybody else have anything about Uzziah? Yeah, Megan. I hear what you're saying. I'm writing down a couple of things here so I don't forget. First off, you've got to remember what Megan was saying is you would think as these people are turning away from the Lord, there would just be that sadness in their heart. You have to remember Old Testament. It's a different little bit of a different relationship. They did not have the Holy Spirit living inside of them like we do. You know, nowadays, if I do something stupid, immediately there's that conviction from the Holy Spirit. I lose the joy. I lose the peace, etc. That's why conviction is actually one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given us. Number two, the Bible talks about this term called hardness of heart. And what happens is people's heart gets hard towards the Lord. They know what they're doing is wrong. They know this is not the life that God wants them to live. They know, and they just don't care. So they walk in this hardness of heart. And it can happen for a season. It can happen for years. It can happen for decades. David is a good example of this. When David committed adultery with Bathsheba, he went a full year of being unrepentant. That's a hard heart for a year. So hardness of heart happens, and they know what they're doing is wrong, but they just don't care anymore. They'd rather fill the flesh than they will fulfill the spirit. So anybody else have anything here before we go on? Okay, we get to end on a good one. Finally, almost every king we do, we do not get to end on a good one. Jotham, verse 1. Jotham was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jershiah, the daughter of Zadok. Verse 2, And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Uzziah had done, although he did not enter the temple of the Lord, but still the people acted corruptly. He did what was right. Now please do note in verse 2, you can do everything right, and people still choose bad around you. It's just, that's the way it is. You could be the best Sunday school teacher, 
and still have awful kids in your class. You could be the best witness at work and no one gets saved on your line. You could be the best witness at home and you still just don't see the fruit coming in your marriage. It has to be a personal choice. Jotham is a good king. He's a good king. But the problem is the people wanted to be corrupt. Now, remember our other kings were doing a compare and contrast. Maziah, what did he do? He had his wall torn down. Uzziah, what did he do? He tore down other people's walls. But look what Jotham does. Verse 3, he built the upper gate of the house of the Lord. He built extensively on the wall of Ophel. He's building walls. I like that. Amaziah's walls are being torn down because he's not right with the Lord. Uzziah is better. He's tearing down the walls of the enemy. But Jotham is building up the walls of his kingdom. What a beautiful picture that is of just spiritually making his kingdom, his family, his life strong. Real quick question. How are you with walls? Are your walls being torn down? Are you tearing down other people's walls? Are you building up yours? Building up your strength and your walk in relationship with the Lord. Verse 4, he's out there building cities. He's building walls. Verse 5, he's fighting the right enemy. He's fighting the Ammonites. And he's defeating them. Verse 6, Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord God. Now, just real quick, you should be still real close to chapter 26. Look what happened to Uzziah. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up. Verse 16 of Uzziah, chapter 26. Jotham in chapter 27, when he becomes mighty, he still keeps his eyes on the Lord. That's a beautiful picture there. Pride didn't get the best of him. You know, he learned. He learned. You got to think what this kid went through. This kid saw his dad become an outcast. This kid saw his dad be the king of all kings... Then all of a sudden, his dad's outside the camp. Did he learn from that? I hope so. Sure, looks like he learned something. He sure heard the stories of his grandpa, Amaziah. What a beautiful picture this is of learning and doing what's right. Verse 7, now the rest of the acts of Jotham and all his wars and his ways. Indeed, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. So Jotham rested with his fathers and buried him in the city of David. Then Ahaz, his son, reigned in his place. So we have our three kings here, as we mentioned at the beginning. First one, outward obedience, but did not have a loyal heart. Second one, as long as he kept his eyes on the Lord, it worked. Last king, though, he focused on the Lord, kept his eyes on the Lord, and he was blessed. That's the one we need to learn from. Building up walls, fighting the right enemy, giving God the glory. When he became mighty, he did not turn away. God got the glory. We can learn from these three kings, and we can learn this and apply this to our lives on what we need to do. So a couple quick questions just as we finish up. If you look at these three, which one are you? Do you got the outward obedience like Amaziah, but the heart's just not there? Do you got Uzziah? When when your eyes are on the Lord, things go great. But when your eyes get off the Lord, next thing you know, you're in the temple getting leprosy. Or are we Jotham? Focus, prepared, eyes on the Lord, And letting him lead and guide you in all ways. Obviously the goal is we want to be at the Jotham. And that's our prayer and that's our focus. Anybody have any final questions, comments here before we close up the word of prayer? Yeah. I think and also too, Jotham, if you look, only reigned uh, 16 years. Was it Amaziah that reigned 52? 
And a lot of people say, why is that? My personal opinion, just personal opinion, take it or leave it. I think God gave Amaziah 52 years to repent and try to get his heart right. So, I mean, that's what it comes down to. You know, the Bible makes it clear in the book of Psalms, uh, precious in the eyes of God is the death of one of his saints. Jotham did his time. Jotham did what was right. Jotham, come home, retire early. So, but you make a good point there. It's only nine verses in chapter 27 because he did what was right. Did what was right. Anybody else here? Yeah, Megan. Sounds like you're talking about me and Dawn. Um, no, d- does it bother me? Um, real quick, when I, when I first got saved, I thought the way you, you spread the gospel was just to shove it down everybody's throat when you see them. I mean, I just thought that's the way it was. And when somebody would not reject the gospel, I just, what is wrong with you? And when I started seeing people get upset at me, I took it very personally. I'm not saying I got it all figured out, and I don't want to make a claim that way, but I realize right now when someone gets upset at me, it's not personal. They're convicted. I, I, I've had people, people hang up on me. People leave the church because of me. Um, people curse at me. People threaten me. It's not because of me. They're just convicted of the Holy Spirit. I mean, what did we just read in Matthew chapter 10 on Sunday? You will be hated by all for my name's sake. If that's the way they treated Jesus... They made fun of him. They called him names. They ended up killing him and crucifying him. Jesus made it very clear. If they did that to the master, are they not going to do that to the servant? It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. I mean, you want, I, I want to have peace with everybody. I want to love everybody. And to be honest, and probably in a little bit of a fleshly way, you want everybody to love you. But ultimately, what Jesus said in Matthew 10 is that it is not going to happen in any way whatsoever. So you just got to be focused. You got to present the truth. And I, in my mind, I go back to Ezekiel a lot. Before God sent Ezekiel out to be a prophet, he said, Ezekiel, I got to make you as hard as flint. Because what he's saying is, Ezekiel, your message is so difficult to deliver as you can't take it personally. So he says, Ezekiel, you got to be tough. Because I'm going to send you out there to share this message, and people are going to hate you for what it is. So to answer your question, does it bother me? Does it frustrate me? Yeah, it does. But ultimately, Jesus said this is what's going to happen. And when you take a stand for the truth, people aren't going to like it. So, but it hurts. Especially it hurts when it's close people, family members. You guys know that. So, anybody else have anything here? Rose. It actually starts all the way back in uh, Genesis chapter 5. You know, Adam lived, uh, Adam were 800 years. And so all the days Adam lived were 930 years. We know right from the beginning, you can start right there in Genesis 5, verse 5, and go Adam, 930. Then you can go next to Seth, and Seth was 912. And you can just keep adding it right up as you go through. And you can take it all the way to Jesus. It's kind of a fascinating thing there. No, he won't. 
That, and that's the thing is, you know, David was just saying there is God does not put up a sin for one day. One of the neat teaching points of uh, Genesis chapter 5 is the last phrase in all those verses is, and, and he died. Because sin kills. And he died. So fine, you live 930 years, you're still going to die. Methuselah, you live 969 years, yeah, but you're still going to die. Sin kills. And so we have to make sure that since we know sin kills, do we have a Savior that takes care of the sin? And that's what it all comes down to there. All these kings, the good, the bad, and the ugly, they all died. Jotham was a good king, still died. Anybody else have anything here before we go on? Yeah, Robin. Uh, Isaiah, the, the first one about not honor me with your lips. Isaiah twenty nine thirteen. Isaiah twenty nine thirteen. Anybody else got anything here before we close up? All right. Hey, let's pray this into our hearts. Let's ask the Lord, which king are we? Then let's go out there and live the life and all that we say and all that we do. Lord, as we just come to you now, it's always fun just to get together, just talk about you. What a blessing it is, Lord. I love this. Lord, just speak to our hearts. What do we need to hear? I, I just think of this passage in Psalm 139. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, which king are we? Where do we need to go? Are, are, we, are our walls being torn down? Are we building walls up? Are we walking in you, keeping our eyes on you? Are we trusting in ourselves? Lord, speak to our hearts. We want to be the people you've called us to be. To be a light and a witness for you in all that we say and all that we do. Lord, put on our hearts eternity. Put on our hearts the seriousness, the soberness of people dying and going to hell. And then, Lord, help us to get out there and spread your love, your grace, your mercy, and the joy that people can have with you in all ways and all things. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And, Lord, thank you for just the time to come together this evening and to just fellowship and worship you. Go before this. And, Lord, before I forget, I just want to lift up Becca Hoagland, just battling sickness in the hospital. In the name of Jesus, just health on that young gal. And we lift this up in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks for coming out. Enjoy the evening. Uh, If you guys got anything you need to pray about, come up here and join me. We can pray. If not, have a good evening and God bless.